Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the one and only Sean Sports Talk Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. This is episode number 360. What a round number that is. Feels great uh, to have done 360 podcast episodes. Started this in 2018 when I, when I was 14 years old. I'm now 18. It's been a long journey. Uh, I love doing this. It's just, I, I just love doing it. I mean, I, I've been a diehard sports fan for most of my life now and you know watching sports reading about sports talking about sports writing about sports sports in general are a huge part of my life and i just enjoy doing it i don't want to get too emotional too personal here uh, because this is a podcast after all where i talk about the news and give my opinion on everything going on and i'm going to do just that but before i get into that i want to thank crimson it for sponsoring today's podcast episode if you or someone you know has a small or medium-sized company that needs managed it services go to crimsonit.com talk to them tell them that you found found out about them from the sean sports podcast and if you do they'll give you a very nice discount up to 50 percent off whatever service it is you're looking for if you enjoy the show feel free to leave a positive or negative review on itunes leave me with honest feedback if it's a one-star review uh, if it's a one-star review with uh, honest feedback, that's uh, I, that's more preferred, believe it or not, than a five-star review with no feedback at all or some kind of made-up uh, positive reinforcement. Follow me on Instagram at Sean Hardtho, S-E-A-N-H-A-R-D-T-H-O, Sean Hardtho. And without further ado, let's get right into it. We got, I mean, last, last, uh, last night's episode was insane. It was over an hour long. Again, this is number 360, and that was the first time ever that an episode of the Sean Sports Talk podcast was over one hour long, so uh, it was it was a blast. Honestly, I know I said this a lot uh, in recent times. Every every time I take a bit of a break and then my first episode back, I always say that I'm back and I'm going to be consistent again with it. Um, and I've been consistently inconsistent, as I said yesterday on number three fifty nine. But I'm going to do. I I have some uh, some more time as of late, so I'm going to do my absolute best to get episodes out for you guys and uh yeah with that said uh let's get right into it i mean i'm gonna i'm gonna try my best to make it daily enough bullshitting though let's get into it (coughs) start (coughs) excuse me starting off with some college football five-star quarterback malachi nelson announced he his decommitment from oklahoma on sunday following the news that lincoln riley has taken the head coaching job at usc uh the domino it's, it's just a domino effect for ou lincoln riley left now they're getting a lot of decommitments it's really unfortunate nelson is a 6'3 180 pound quarterback out of los alamitos california he said in his announcement that he's not opening up his recruitment recruitment and just wants to quote to see how everything transpires i (laughs) i'm not gonna say i'm willing to bet but i would not be surprised in the slightest if malachi ends up at usc Uh, Nelson committed to Oklahoma in July. He said one of the things that impacted his decision to join the Sooners was the coaching staff and, quote, their ability to develop the quarterback position. Oklahoma has become a hotspot for five-star quarterbacks over the last few years. Spencer Rattler entered in 2019, who, by the way, transferred as well. I talked about that on yesterday's episode, followed by Caleb Williams in 2021, and Nelson was the next in line for 2023. Obviously, Baker Mayfield, uh, a an alum at an OU alum, Obviously, Baker Mayfield is thriving in the NFL with the Cleveland Browns now. Uh, it's unclear what the, what uh, kind of future uh, or what's in store for the future for the Sooners at the quarterback position. 
The quarterback is the second overall recruit in the class of 2023 and the top recruit out of the state of California per 24-7 sports' composite rankings. He is also the second-ranked quarterback behind uh, Isidore Newman's Arch, Arch Manning. I hope I pronounced that right. In addition, Oklahoma Nelson considered USC, Alabama, Arizona, and Arizona State. It's reasonable to believe that he'll reconsider joining the Trojans, obviously, given Riley's hiring. So it's just tough. It's tough. It's tough for OU. I mean, you lose Lincoln Riley. That's already bad enough. But now you're getting your, uh, you know, blue chip prospects. You're getting you're seeing them decommit. I mean, or, or guys that are already in the program like Spencer Rattler transfer out. That's very unfortunate. But speaking of unfortunate things. This is not good for PSG. Paris, PSG star Neymar is expected to miss six to eight weeks after suffering ligament damage in his ankle during Sunday's win against Saint Etienne. I believe that was a League One French league game. The forward was stretchered off the field after suffering a hard foul late in the three-one victory. Now I'm not exactly sure why he was on the pitch to begin with when late in a three-one victory he should have been on the bench. He should have been subbed out if they were up three-one late, but that's. You know, hindsight is 2020. Quote, unfortunately, these sorts of setbacks are a part of an athlete's life. Neymar said on Instagram after the match, you have to raise your head and move forward. I will come back better and stronger. And, you know, Neymar has been a rather controversial figure, polarizing, I would say, uh, for multiple reasons on and off the pitch. But he could not have addressed this better. You know, you get injured, you're out for a few weeks. You know, even if he's struggling mentally, it's good to say I'll come back better and stronger. That's a very um i'm sure his uh, pr team approved of that in five seasons since wow wow hold on hold on it's been five seasons since neymar left messi at barcelona obviously messi has since rejoined neymar with psg but i just can't believe it's been five seasons i guess that means five years since neymar left barcelona it really does not feel like it's been that long but in five seasons since joining PSG for Barcelona, Neymar has 59 league goals and 34 assists in 80 matches. Injuries do remain a problem for the 29-year-old. And however, however, as he played more than 20 league matches in any season, has not played more than 20 league matches in any season for Paris since coming in 2017. Man, I can't believe it. I can't get over the fact that it's been five years since Neymar joined PSG. Time really does fly. The latest issue creates even more concern after the club signed Neymar to a four-year extension through 2025 in September. Obviously, they still have lots of star power, lots of depth up front to handle the loss with Kylian Mbappe, Lionel Messi, and Angel Di Maria still representing a very elite attack. The club already has 40, 40 points through 15 matches, good enough to sit 12 points clear in first place of League One. So they don't need to rush Neymar back. But the Champions League is in question. He could he could return in time for their Champions League round of 16, which won't begin until February. PSG has already clinched a spot in the knockout stage. Considering Brazil, Neymar is Brazilian. Considering Brazil has also already secured its place in the 2022 World Cup, Neymar has no reason at all, neither for club nor for country, to be rushed to return. He can take his time. No reason to milk it either, but he can truly take his time and you know rehab come back when he's when he's good and that's that's definitely the best best move in my opinion transitioning to football um green bay packers superstar quarterback aaron Rodgers does not plan to have surgery on his injured toe quote at this time according to nfl network the 37 year old has already missed one game this season after testing positive for covid19 and a toe injury has limited his practice time throughout the year as well 
Tom Pilicero tweeted, quote, Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers will start today against the Vikings despite a painful toe injury that limited him to only 15 to about 15 reps in practice Friday per sources. The hope is it'll improve with rest at the bye, but between the toe and COVID, limited practice time is a concern. This was tweeted on November 21st, so over a week ago before the Packers lost to the Vikings. Quote, it's very, very painful, Rodgers told reporters regarding the toe injury after the loss to the Vikings on November 21st. I got stepped on in the first half and that kind of activated all the symptoms I was having. It's going to be another painful week next week and then hopefully start to feel better during the bye. The Packers obviously beat the Rams this past week and now they are entering their bye week, so Rodgers has some time to rehab it. Not sure um, how long he'd be out for if... Um, if he was to get surgery, I'm, I'm not sure. Rodgers has, has remained more than productive uh, when on the field this year, throwing for almost 3,000 yards, 23 touchdowns, and only four interceptions. And the Packers are, once again, one of the NFL's best teams with a 9-3 and record. Uh, he had a great game against the Rams this past Sunday. I could tell that the toe was bothering him, but Rodgers is a warrior. He's, in my opinion, still the best quarterback in the world, arguably the greatest quarterback of all time. Not the greatest, but the best. Similarly, similarly to how I believe LeBron James is better than Michael Jordan, but not greater than Michael Jordan, um, it's the I have the same sentiment with Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. I have no doubt that it's clear, it's obvious. Tom Brady is more accomplished. He has six Super Bowls. Rodgers only has one. Um, Tom Brady gets it done in the playoffs consistently. Aaron Rodgers does not. But right now, if you give me one, I take Rodgers. I think he's better. Um, again. LeBron is better than Jordan. Jordan is greater. Rodgers is better than Brady. Brady is greater than Rodgers. <laughs> That's a bit of a tongue twister. Brady is greater. But we got more football to talk about. Don't look now, but the Washington football team is making moves. In a must-win game on Monday Night Football, Washington beat the Seattle Seahawks 17-15 to behind a bruising run game and J.D. McKissick's two touchdowns. It was brutal for the Seahawks. I mean, they fall to 3-8 and on the season. It was must-win for them as much, if not more more so for them than it was for Washington. <clears throat> the Seahawks have now lost six of their last seven games while Washington has won three in a row following a bye in week nine. Coming into Monday, neither could you know really afford a loss against a beatable opponent. Despite that urgency, or perhaps because of it, it wasn't a pretty game in the slightest. It was very ugly. Turnovers were quickly followed by giveaways. Uh, there was a blocked extra point that the Seahawks ran back all the way to the end zone for two points. This is the Seahawks tied the game with 20 seconds left. Um, not, excuse me, they didn't tie the game. They were down 17-9. They got a touchdown with 20 seconds left. And then they were not able to convert the two-point conversion to tie the game. So Washington held on. Um, and then even after they were not able to convert the two-point conversion, they successfully recovered an onside kick. But then, you know, it was in legal formation. So they had to kick again. And they almost recovered it again. I don't know how astronomically low the odds of recovering two onside kicks in a row is. But the Seahawks almost did it. They did not, though. They fall to 3-8. and eight. Huge loss for them. Virtually zero shot of winning the division now with the Rams, 49ers, and Cardinals all ahead of them in the NFC West. The NFC East is wide open with the Dallas Cowboys on top at 7-4. and four. Washington is behind them. And then you still got the Giants and Eagles with a shot. The NFC East is a crapshoot every year. But we got some golf to talk about. 
Tiger Woods' time as a full-time golfer on the PGA Tour is apparently over even as he recovers from serious injuries suffered in a February car crash. The all-time great revealed as much during an interview with Golf Digest saying, quote, I think something that is realistic is playing the tour one day, never full-time ever again, but pick and choose just like Mr. Ben Hogan did. Pick and choose a few events a year and you play around that, you practice around that, and you gear yourself up for that. I think that's how I'm going to have to play it from now on. It's an unfortunate reality, but it's my reality and I understand it and I accept it. Very mature from Tiger Woods. Obviously would have been better not to crash your car in the first place. He's undergone five back surgeries. Uh, that's just unbelievable. The 45-year-old said it was, quote, damn near a 50% chance he would lose his right leg to amputation at one point after he suffered open fractures to both his tibia and the fibula as a result of losing control of his car earlier this year. The 15-time major champion spent three weeks in the hospital and time on a hospital-type bed in his house before eventually progressing to a wheelchair and then crutches. Earlier this month, he posted a video of himself hitting a shot with an iron with the caption, with the caption, making progress. Still, he cautioned he is, quote, not even at the halfway point to a return to the course as he works on regaining his strength and dealing with lingering back concerns from the multiple surgeries as well. Tiger Woods, as flawed as he is, you know, with all the mistakes he's made, he is a true inspiration. He never gives up. It's truly a sight to behold. Um, Woods also doesn't feel that he has any more to prove and instead is eyeing a return to the, the occasional tournament saying quote i don't have to compete and play against the best players in the world to have a great life after my back fusion i had to climb mount everest one more time i had to do it and i did this time around i don't think i'll have the body to climb mount everest and that's okay i can still participate in the game of golf i can still if my leg gets okay i can still click click off a tournament here or there but as far as climbing the mountain again and getting all the way to the top i don't think that's a reali realistic expectation for me it's great that he's realistic i mean the storyline was often Tiger versus the field during his prime, and he had a way of dominating the course to the point that where there was little hope for anyone else if uh, he was dialed in during the Sunday of a major tournament. In all, he has won 82 tournaments and 15 major championships. His 82 PGA Tour victories are tied with Sam Snead for the most in the history of golf. Uh, while his back surgeries cut into his prime and likely cost him more tour victories, he was still able to battle back and win his 15th major title and fifth green jacket during an unfor unforgettable Masters in 2019. So Tiger Woods is the greatest golfer of all time. It's awesome to see that he's not leaving the sport fully, but it's understandable that you know he's going to dial it back as he tries to recover. Uh, from all the injuries i mean and it's it's not just all the injuries when you have I, I can't imagine it really i mean when you have five back surgeries i cannot begin to fathom how difficult that is to go through how difficult it is to go through that mentally even if you recover fully physically um i cannot imagine how hard it is to just go through that mentally it, it's just it's insane so hats off to tiger woods no doubt about it Transitioning back to college football, Texas A&M has landed one of the most dynamic playmakers in the 2022 recruiting class with Tuesday's announcement that Evan Stewart has committed. Stewart revealed his decision to join the Aggies on Instagram. He was also considering Alabama, LSU, Texas, and Florida, among other high-profile programs across the country. He's one of the best players in the 2022 class. He's a five-star prospect, the number one wideout, and third-ranked player overall by 24-7 sports 
Quote, athleticism translates to the gridiron. Gabe Brooks of 24-7 Sports wrote in Stewart's scouting report. Gets on top of corners quickly and flashes runaway speed. Runaway speed shows good acceleration, quick-footed, and should possess high ceiling as a route runner. Springy in 50-50 situations and, and can go up and get it in traffic. Can more consistently leverage defensive backs into breaks. Uh, Stewart is one of the most impressive athletes in this year's class. He was named 2021 Boys Track and Field Athlete of the Year by the Dallas Morning News after winning the 5A state championship in long jump and the 4x400 meter relay. So not only is he uh, the best wide receiver in the country, but he's also a world-class track and field athlete. That is unbelievable. Aggies head coach Jimbo Fisher and his staff have been fantastic loading up on recruits for next season. The Texas A&M Aggies will be dangerous next season. Um, Stewart is the program's 19th commitment and third five-star recruit. So that's huge for Texas A&M. And congrats to Evan Stewart as well. Switching gears to the NBA. Kemba Walker's return home as a key offseason addition to the New York Knicks roster was supposed to be one of the feel-good NBA stories this year. The megawatt smile of his that never seems to dim was supposed to light up Madison Square Garden, similar to what he did as a youth at Rice High School and the New York City Gauchos AAU team. Or when he took over the Big East tournament at Madison Square Garden when he was a star at UConn on his way to leading the Huskies to a national title in 2011. But the dreamy return of the highly productive native son has become a nightmare for all involved, resulting in the unimaginable. Walker out of the Knicks rotation altogether. I talked about that yesterday. Quote, it's a tough decision to make, but you always have to do what you think is best for the team. Knicks head coach Tom Thibodeau told reporters following the team's practice on Monday. Moving Walker out of the rotation is in response to a Knicks team uh, 11-9 on the season that opened the season with wins in five of their first six games, only to be a sub-500 team since then. The reasons are plentiful for the Knicks', Knicks latest uh, struggles, but the play of Kemba Walker, especially on defense, has stood out for all the wrong reasons. Um, multiple league sources believe the Knicks will look to trade Kemba Walker, whose value on the trade market, much like his production, is at an all-time low, no doubt about that. However, league sources believe Walker's value has the potential to change as the Knicks get closer to the February 10th trade deadline and teams get more desperate to add a veteran who, despite his defensive shortcomings, has shown he can still make shots, albeit in a much more limited capacity than in years past. A source close to the Knicks indicated New York may also have a potential trade partner in the Houston Rockets who are very eager to move John Wall. Like Walker, Wall has had his fair share of injuries that have factored heavily in him not playing to the level that made him an all-star from 2014 to 2018. In fact, John Wall has not played in an NBA game since April 23rd, 2021, and I believe he's healthy. And while, while Wall not playing in Houston was agreed upon by both sides earlier this season, he and the Rockets are reportedly having conversations about a return to the active roster. I mean, that would be nice. The trade market for Wall is absolutely non-existent as he's not playing, but returning to play uh, may open the eyes of potential trade partners interested in acquiring the five-time All-Star who has two years and $91.7 million remaining on the four-year $171.1 million contract he signed then with the Washington Wizards in 2017. The key to a deal with the Knicks will be the compensation agreed upon beyond those two marquee players that headline the trade. Quote, it's so tricky because you're talking about two players who are never going to get back to where they were. Go, let, me, let me start over. Quote, it's so tricky because you're talking about two players who are never going to get back to where they were and to be frank, aren't going to live up to the contracts that are on the books for them now, said an Eastern Conference executive. You can't just add them and be good with that. And that makes total sense. So we'll see. Perhaps a Kemba Walker for John Wall swap is in the cards. I mean, I'm just not sure why the Knicks would ever take that contract, that $40 million 
a year contract that John Wall is owed. But again, as I said, it depends on the compensation. If if the Rockets, you know, throw in a couple picks, maybe the Knicks would be more inclined to do that trade. Switching gears to baseball, the hot stove has been absolutely scorching. But notably, big market teams like the Los Angeles Dodgers and New York Yankees have not been in on the action. It's been teams like the Detroit Tigers, Texas Rangers, New York Mets. I mean, yeah, they're big market, but they're not the Dodgers, Yankees, or Astros. Uh, so the Mets perhaps are not the greatest He's not the greatest of examples, but when you have the Texas Rangers throwing around $500 million at Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon, and then the Tigers perhaps doing a very similar thing, that's surprising. But we are going to talk about the Yankees. In the aftermath of their agreements with Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon, the Texas Rangers could turn to the trade market to free up space in their infield. Per Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic, the Yankees are pursuing a trade with, with the Rangers for 2020 Gold Glove winner Isaiah kiner Falifa. Jeff Passan reported Sunday the Rangers agreed to a seven-year deal worth almost $100 million with Simeon, and then they, that monster contract worth $325 million over 10 years for Corey Seager. But Kiner Falifa has played shortstop, third base, and catcher in his career. He won the American League Gold Glove at third base last year after leading the league with seven defensive runs saved per fan graphs. The Yankees desperately need a competent shortstop or third baseman defensively. Gio Urshela and... Uh, Glaber Torres are not that in, in the slightest. After Elvis Andrus was traded to the Oakland Athletics before the start of the 2021 season, the Rangers moved Kiner Falifa over to shortstop. His defense didn't suffer at all as he ranked third among all qualified players at the position with 10 defensive runs saved. He doesn't boast a lot of power at the plate in his swing, but he makes enough contact to hit for a solid average. The 26-year-old has a 265, 316, 354 slash line in almost 400 games for the Rangers. Since the start of 2020, Kiner Falifa has a 273 batting average, which is more than solid, with only 11 home runs and 63 RBIs in over 200 games. Uh, the Yankees ranked 22nd in Fangraph's defensive value in 2021. Their shortstops, primarily Glaber Torres, finished tied for 26th in MLB with minus 15 defensive runs saved. So Kiner Falifa would be a gigantic upgrade defensively for the Yankees, but offensively, he's not that great so that's the compromise there we'll see what the yankees do switching gears to more football urban meyer is committed to the jacksonville jaguars maybe he should commit himself to his wife a little bit more michael durocco of espn reported the jaguars had quote head coach quote has no interest in leaving professional football to return to the college game meyer is a former notre dame assistant coach whose name naturally came up amid brian kelly's departure for lsu meyer has described being notre dame's head coach as his quote dream job on a number of occasions so obviously with kelly leaving notre dame for lsu uh the fact that urban meyer's name is being talked about is not surprising in the slightest one of the most successful college coaches in history meyer has not been an immediate hit in the nfl by any stretch of the imagination the jaguars are two and nine, two and nine with an offense that ranks among the nfl's worst in pretty much every category most um most uh, most notably, Meyer has not gotten quarterback Trevor Lawrence prepared for the uptick in speed at the pro level. Lawrence, considered by most as a can't-miss prospect, has thrown for 2,369 yards and nine touchdowns against 10 interceptions in his first 11 career starts. So it's not terrible. It is his rookie year. I mean, guys like Peyton Manning started slow, but that's that's not going to cut it for Trevor Lawrence in the NFL. The Jaguars have topped 20 points only three times all season. That is awful. And obviously, Meyer's leadership qualities were questioned after he chose to stay in Ohio rather than take the team plane back to Jacksonville after week four, after a week four loss. 
to the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, several social media posts then showed the coach at a bar in Ohio, leading to his issuing multiple apologies to the team and owner Shad Khan publicly reprimanding him. Uh, so yeah, it's been speculated on multiple occasions that Meyer would abandon his NFL experiment and return to the college game, where a number of high-profile vacancies have opened up. Meyer is 187-32 and 32 overall and stops at Bowling Green, Utah, Florida, and Ohio State as a, as a head coach in college. But he's at least claiming for now that he is committed to the Jacksonville Jaguars. We'll see how long that really lasts. But we got a baseball story to talk about. A huge signing for the Detroit Tigers arguably the second big, biggest signing of free agency thus far. The Detroit Tigers appear ready to make their move in the American League Central, with two-time All-Star Javier Baez reportedly agreeing to a deal with the team. Per MLB Network, the deal is worth $140 million over six years. Very solid deal for both. I don't believe the Tigers overpaid, and Javi Baez gets a very fair contract, in my opinion. Detroit finished last season with a respectable 77-85 and record. That's much better than I thought they did. Only three games behind the Cleveland Guardians for second place in the American League Central. The Tigers made an early splash in free agency when they reportedly signed left-handed starter Eduardo Rodriguez to a five-year deal worth $77 million. This seemed like the offseason for the Detroit Tigers to make bold moves as the franchise's, franchise's rebuild uh, began to show progress in 2021. Center fielder Akil Badu and starting pitchers Casey Mize and Tariq Skubal flashed some of their potential last season. Top prospects Spencer Torkelson first base and Riley Green outfield reached AAA in 2021 and should be ready to debut in the big leagues next summer. Adding Javi Baez to that young developing team gives the Tigers a ready, a now ready elite defensive player who can start at second base, shortstop, or third base, whatever they're going to need. Since becoming a full-time player in 2016, Baez ranks third among all National League shortstops in defensive runs saved with 49, with a minimum of 2,500 innings played per fan graphs. His bat has been a lot more volatile, very hot and cold, very streaky throughout his career, but he has been an above-average hitter. The 28-year-old has a 264, 307, 477 slash line in almost 900 games between the Cubs and New York Mets. After being traded to the Mets on July 30th, Baez turned his season around he hit 299 371 515 with nine homers and 167 at-bats over 47 games for the Mets but they did miss the playoffs so a very short stint in the Big Apple for Javi Baez as he heads to Detroit transitioning to tennis this is probably the least uh talked about sport on this podcast along with golf even though I uh am a tennis coach and I am technically still on a college tennis team but Novak Djokovic has won the Australian Open nine times in his career, but new vaccination requirements could prevent him from competing in the tournament in January. Quote, under these blackmails and conditions, he probably won't play. Novak's father, Stran Djokovic, told Serp TV, I wouldn't do that, and he's my son, so you decide for yourself. <laughs> That's a very telling there. Australian Open tournament director Craig Tiley announced last week that players not vaccinated against COVID-19 would not be allowed to participate in the 2022 event. Djokovic has not revealed whether he is vaccinated. I am almost certain that he is not vaccinated, but he has chosen not to reveal his vaccination status, and I don't blame him in the slightest. That's a very private matter. He said, quote, doesn't really matter whether it's vaccination or anything else in life. You should have the freedom to choose to decide what you want to do. In this particular case, what you want to put in your body. The 34-year-old still has the freedom to choose not to get the vaccination, but if so, he would not be permitted to compete in the first Grand Slam of the season, which starts on January 17th. 
Djokovic would obviously be the clear favorite if he does compete as number one player in the world ranking and three-time defending champion of the event. The superstar is also looking to break a tie with Rafael Nadal and Roger Federer for the most major singles championships in men's tennis history, as I believe the three of them are, t- are in a three-way tie with 20 apiece. Uh, Tylee previously projected 85% of professional players have been vaccinated and he expects 90 to 95% to get a shot by January per B- BBC Sport. But that uh, 5 and or 10% will partly be compromised by Novak Djokovic. Switching gears back to baseball. This, I mean, what a shit show this league is. MLB used two different baseballs over the course of the season, unbeknownst to the players, according to business insiders Bradford William Davis. In a statement to Davis, the league acknowledged using balls with slightly different weights in the center, which affected how far each ball would travel. The league cited the effects of the COVID-19 pandemic for the situation. That's a lot of, that's a whole load of horseshit right there. Generally, balls are produced 6 to 12 months prior to being used in a game. Because Rowling was forced to reduce capacity at, at its manufacturing facility due to the COVID-19 pandemic, the supply of recentered balls was not sufficient to cover the entirety of the 2021 season. To address this issue, Rowling's incorporated excess inventory into its shipment to clubs to provide a full co- complement of full complement of baseballs for the 2021 season. Davis cited a study from astrophysicist Meredith Wills in which she examined hundreds of baseballs from 15 different stadiums. Wills found that the MLB followed its plan to bring a new lighter ball into circulation with the intention of cutting down the number of home runs. However, Wills also discovered some baseballs adhered to the old measurements and were heavier. So that's strange. Davis went on to explain how the MLB's justification didn't necessarily hold water. Rawlings began making the new ball in October 2019, well before the MLB's official announcement about the change, and the company went back to producing the old ball in January 2020, a time before the pandemic brought the world to a standstill. Baseball is unlike most sports in that the trajectory of the ball after the point of contact determines so much of the action on the field. Making slight tweaks to the ball itself, especially if the players are unaware, presents obvious issues. Davis spoke to a pitcher in the National League who hit on another possible problem for MLB. The mere perception of subterfuge opens the door for any number of theories about willful manipulation on the part of the league, perhaps favoring some teams over others. Who knows what other possible things they did. Quote, you know, send a bouncier baseball, lighter baseball, whichever flies more to a primetime series. He told me listing off marquee matchups like Yankees, Red Sox and Mets, Phillies. Then then he suggested send more dead baseballs to Texas versus Seattle or, you know, Detroit versus Kansas City. No one's going to bat an eye. On the other hand, he speculates the league could flip that approach around and send high-octane balls to low-profile games, which produce more offense, which might put more seats in the stands, just continue to bring up fan engagement. That's not the way to bring up fan engagement. Uh, so yeah, regardless of what, whatever is true, this is a, a very bad look for the MLB, but it is what it is. Transitioning back to the NBA, the Los Angeles Lakers announced that forward LeBron James has entered the league's health and safety protocols and will not play. He did not play earlier tonight against the Sacramento Kings. The Lakers were down, uh, I believe it was 14, and they went on a 40-8 to run and ultimately blew out the Sacramento Kings without LeBron James, led by Russell Westbrook. So as Sam Sherania tweeted, Lakers star LeBron James will be sidelined for at least 10 days or unless he returns two negative uh, test results in 24 hours moving forward. LeBron is averaging 26.7 assists and 5 rebounds in his 19th NBA season. The Lakers only played twice in the first 8 days of December with a home game against the LA Clippers on Friday and a matchup with the Boston Celtics on Tuesday, December 7th. After that stretch, the Lakers then have three three games in four days lined up between the 9th and 12th. 
Potentially sidelining LeBron for 10 days would lead to LeBron missing a minimum of four games, although he could return earlier than the ninth with a pair of negative tests. Hopefully he will. So at the minimum, he's going to sit out one more game against the Clippers, but we'll see how soon he can get back. As of now, Anthony Davis said after the Lakers win over the Kings that LeBron is asymptomatic, so hopefully it stays that way. But we got some college football to talk about. Duke's reign atop the college basketball rankings will be short-lived. The Ohio State Buckeyes shocked the Duke, the Duke Blue Devils on Tuesday night, 71-66 at the Big Ten slash ACC Challenge, closing the game on a 14-1 run in the final five minutes. That is unbelievable. What a collapse by Duke. Ohio State's defense earned them the win, namely in the second half that saw Duke score only 23 points. That's insane. But Zed Key was equally impressive, scoring a career-high 20 points to lead the Buckeyes. That spoiled another solid performance from the pair of Wendell, Mo- Wendell Moore Jr. and Paulo Banchero though they could not prevent the Blue Devils from blowing a 13-point halftime lead. The loss dropped the Blue Devils to 7-1 on their year, on the year, obviously their first loss. Just one game after beating the mighty Gonzaga Bulldogs and Ohio State improved to 5-2. So what a strange college football season it has been thus far. And we are closing out this episode with the coverage of a marquee match of the marquee matchup between the phoenix suns and golden state warriors a matchup between the the nba's two hottest teams and best teams ended with the host phoenix suns beating the golden state warriors 104 to 96 at footprint center on tuesday when did the suns arena become footprint center uh obviously very recently a sensational suns defense held the warriors under 101 points for the first time all year Golden State also committed 22 turnovers, and Warriors point guard Stephen Curry had the worst shooting performance of his life in in the NBA as he shot 4 of 21, absolutely awful. That's 19% from the floor, 3 of 14 from 3 for 12 points. That is an absolutely terrible game from Steph Curry. The Suns played most of the game without shooting guard Devin Booker, who left midway through the second quarter with a left hamstring injury. His teammates stepped up with DeAndre Aiden leading the way with 24 points and 11 rebounds. Chris Paul, what a game from him as he added 15 points, 11 assists, 6 rebounds, and 5 steals. 5 steals for Chris Paul. That is sensational. And Mikel Bridges added 4 more steals to guide the defensive effort for the Suns. What a defensive showing for the Phoenix Suns. Warriors guard Jordan Poole led all scorers with 28 points i wonder what the betting odds for that would would have been if you would have told me that uh jordan Poole uh would lead the, these two teams in scoring with you know guys like steph curry devin booker deandre ayton available i would have called you crazy the suns and warriors are not tied atop of the western conference with both of both teams sitting at 18 and 3 phoenix has now won 17 17 straight games together while the warriors seven game winning streak was snapped Otto Porter Jr. had 16 points and 6 boards for the Warriors. Draymond Green had a very Draymond Green-like game with 8 points, 11 rebounds, and 5 assists. And Cameron Johnson added 14 points for the Suns. So what a win it was for the Suns. That's all we have for this episode of the Sean Sports Podcast. This was, this was number 360. And as always, I'll see you guys in the next one.